Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Here's a bleak scenario. Most Americans are as unprepared for retirement as the U.S. was for Pearl Harbor in 1941. That's the warning of Roger Allen Friedman, veteran chartered planning counselor and financial industry executive, And you may recall that Roger was a guest on our May 8th show. The good news, the bleak scenario doesn't have to include you, but the time to take control of your own retirement is now. And to help, Roger Friedman has prepared a brand-new special report titled The Beneficiary Minefield, 19 Retirement Account Mistakes You Must Avoid. And regardless of your age today, this special report is a must-read for anyone that with an IRA or other type of retirement account. And if you don't have one now, it's high time to get started, isn't it? And Roger's special report is chock full of information, information you should consider before you retire, not after. Read it, study it, and become educated on what might be the most important topic for a joyful, hassle-free carefree retirement and you can find roger's extremely helpful special report online at rogeronretirement.com slash shop that's r-o-d-g-e-r on retirement.com slash shop check it out today we continue our journey through the o-p-e-n-s formula to ensure a blessed joyful and productive remainder of your life Today we'll concentrate on the letter P for prayer, and for that I mean our spiritual connection to a higher power, and for Christians and Jews, that higher power is the all-powerful but loving creator, infinite in majesty, yet approachable through prayer and active in human affairs, the great I Am. And let's begin with a biblical question for all you believers in the resurrection. Was the stone in front of Christ's tomb rolled back? so that Jesus could get out? Well, my guest pastor and author John Stahl contends this was not the reason that the stone was removed and that churches have been getting the resurrection story wrong for decades. In fact, John tells us that the stone was rolled back so that you and I can get inside. And it was another way of God inviting us in to be part of the greatest story ever told. So how about you? Is your connection with God, the great I am, an essential element in your life? At middle age, are you the person you want to be? Have God and Jesus become more of an afterthought, reserved for an hour or two on Sabbath morning, rather than day-to-day counselors and companions and guides? Are you ready to rekindle your personal spiritual fire within? Well, it all comes down to this straightforward question. Do you put your faith into action, living and loving others like Jesus did? And my guest, John Stahl, has a unique method of describing it, changing the name Jesus from a noun to a verb. And he says to treat others with genuine love and caring, just Jesus them, 
In fact, he's written an enlightening, uh, inspirational book with that same title, Just Jesus Them, and the book's subtitle is The Way to Reignite Your Spiritual Fire Within, and John Stahl is here to talk about the subject today, and he's a business person and a pastor. He describes himself also as a husband, dad, coach, disciple, mentor, and friend. In his, own, in his own words, he wrote Jesus, or just Jesus them, to reach those who are just treading water and in need of a life preserver or feeling stuck in a hot, dry desert with no way out. And hello, Pastor John, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, thank you so much, and that was a wonderful introduction. I very much appreciate that. Well, your book uh, warns on the cover that this book is not a devotional, it's a devotional. What do you mean by the term devotional, and what's the best way to proceed through a devotional book like yours? Well, the the term devotional is about doing our faith, and it's based. the whole book is based on James 1.22, which says to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So many times, as you said, when we spend that one hour a week, we listen and we hear God's word. But what are we doing to take that word out with us and live it in our day-to-day lives? And so, yeah. so often we, I thought you you said that well, because it's almost like we compartmentalize God where we give him that hour. <laughs> but we want to see him and we want to know that he is available and we want to know that he's there with us throughout the week. And what we many times forget is that, once again, he says to be that doer of the word. So yeah. it's up to us to take those actions of loving and, and caring for others yeah. and doing it in the, in the everyday moment. So uh, the whole book is, is not just about reading, but it's it's about doing. And so yeah. um, there's 122 days, which, once again, once again is based on the James 122 model huh. and uh, of being that doer. So each day it's one story. It starts with a scripture, and then you yeah. read the story, and at the end— yeah. Your challenge to have a Jesusing moment, and what that is is, as you explained, you're taking Jesus from a noun to a verb, and so there's action in that. Yeah. So when you say "I love you," you know it's taking it one step further and saying, you know, yeah. "I Jesus you," so that you're yeah. you're caring for people as Jesus cared for other people. I really like that. But let's turn briefly to the story of Easter, which you mentioned in your promotional mm-hmm. material. You contend for decades that churches have been getting the wrong and the resurrection story wrong. And the open entry to uh, Christ's tomb enabled both entry and exit. And what's wrong with the depiction of Jesus coming out of the tomb? Well, just about every Easter service I've ever been to, if you have a sunrise service or an early morning service, they have a play, and at the end of it, the the ground shakes and the tombstones roll back, and then out comes Jesus with the light behind him. And so I I had this Jesusing moment when I was uh, actually... I just finished a commitment at a church, and I was heading to another church, and as I was walking out the doors, I felt this, oh, my goodness, you know, God, you know, the Holy Spirit's presence with me, and I wanted to go back and, and claim that verse, you know, those verses that I'd seen in all of these Easter dramas. Yeah. And when I went to dive into the Bible, I couldn't find it anywhere. And the reason I couldn't find it anywhere is because it's not actually in there. And so the more I started looking into it and reading it, I realized that this was a 2,000-pound stone that had been locked into place, and it was either like a cork that you would see on a bottle or rolled down into a rut downhill. And then it was guarded by the greatest military force at the time and then also mortared together, and and yet it was rolled back. So something supernatural had to roll that back, which we obviously know would be God. And so by rolling that back, what is the necessity of rolling 
the tombstone back, and it's not because Jesus needed that to get out. Yeah. It was actually rolled back because it's just another way of God inviting it in. So that that is more biblical than the, the what's been shown by the churches and been shared by the churches for so many years, uh, Jesus coming out and then, you know, uh, us all seeing him. Yeah. Well, it, the the tombstones rolled point, back yeah. so we could go into the tomb. Yeah, that's, that's such an interesting point. But you inform us in the Easter story that God is inviting us to come inside the tomb. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the 21st century, what does that mean? How does it benefit yourself and others to get inside Christ's empty tomb? <laughs> Well, and this is, this is something that I've always contended to within within the churches is that we often talk about the cross and we all want to show the cross. Yeah. But when I go to church on Sunday, I, I don't want to feel that excruciating pain. I don't want no. to be constantly talked down to or talked to in such a way that I feel as though, you know, I'm just getting beat up and it's just it's yeah. so painful that I'm, I'm hanging on that cross. But instead, I want to focus on that empty tomb because that points to the resurrection and that points yeah. to life. That's I want to point to... Point. Well, sure, and point to the things that Jesus has done for each one of us, and then yeah, know Jesus that Jesus suffered that, on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. basic message of it. So there's no point in uh, you and I going, uh, you know, thinking about suffering on the cross. Like you say, the empty tomb has a much uh, greater message for us. I think. Well, and sure, and then and so there's people that, uh, especially nowadays, there's so many people that struggle with anxiety. There's so many people that struggle with stress and and depression and. There's so many things that are out there that we all walk through every day that are internal. And so if we were to dive into people's lives the way Jesus dove into other people's lives, imagine the difference that it would make for us every single day, especially knowing that we're doing this as a representative of this loving, this powerful, this personal, and this passionate Savior for each one of us. And that's where that changeover takes place for each one of us. It takes place internally. Um, because God has entered each one of us internally, and so he gives us that opportunity. It's up to us as to whether or not we choose to take those steps with him. Yeah, that's right. Well, at the start of your book, Just Jesus, then, you inspire us to make each day personal by allowing God to change us. Let's say it's Monday morning and no further church activities are on my horizon until next Sunday. How best can uh, you and I make ourselves receptive and discover God's will on a no-event weekday when all we have to look forward to is going to work? <laughs> well, and, and you bring up a great point. I think I think part of it is because of in our Amer- in our American society, we look at the weekend as Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. But if you look at a calendar, you, if you, Saturday is actually the end of the week, and Sunday is the beginning of the week. Yeah. So when we go into church, instead of ending our week with it, where we have this day where we just shut everything down, it should be that day that, that we are going in and we're recharging so that on Monday, when it's really that second day of the week, we yeah. should already be ready to go with the plans that God has given us on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think too many times we think, oh, it's the end of our weekend, so I'm going to end my week with this as opposed to beginning it with it. And it changes. You see how it changes that mindset where I'm going to start with this, I'm going to take this day, I'm going to take it all in, and now on Monday, I said, oh, I'm just going to work, and it's just the same thing that I'm doing every day. I've had this this Sunday morning to recharge through his word, and now I have this opportunity to go out and recharge with others. And, I, and so that next day when I go to work, okay, God, who is it you're going to bring into my life, and what are the, what are the things that I can do? G- give me some examples of some things, and that's what the, the book does each day. It, it could be a smile to someone. It could be uh, uh, handing a bottle of water to a homeless person. It could be holding the door for someone. It could be yeah. taking groceries 
you know, and, and, and loading it for an elderly person, whatever it may be, it's yeah. in those small moments of recognizing God in our lives by recognizing it by reaching out to others. Yeah, and to me, that's so much more effective uh, way to witness for Christ is for doing mm-hmm. something to somebody rather than just talking, you know, saying you must be saved and you must do this and that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, preaching, but I always appreciate the Christians that, that really demonstrate that love by their actions rather than just standing on the street corner, as uh, Jesus puts it. But, uh, well, uh, as members of uh, uh, Christian religion or the Jewish religion, is, is it worthwhile to even try to improve the world? There's so much bad things going on, you know, North Korea, missiles and uh, starving people in Africa, and, you know, you can name it. Is, is it really worth it? I mean, what can you and I do to... Uh, with all the problems in the world, uh, even if we are uh, living our faith, <laughs> it's a hopeless. Well, you you bring up a great point, and, and and here's the thing: this is why within these moments it, it can become so contagious. Because I think so often that we get caught up in ever the big picture within the world that we think there's no way that I can make a difference. But yeah. if you make a difference and I make a difference in my world, just a little bit every single day, and I'm doing it so that other people can see Jesus. Think about the changes that can make place that can take place in your world if the next person does that and the next person does that and the next person does that. Slowly we start to change that world. So all this bad stuff it's not gonna go away. We already know even from scripture that these things are meant to be and they're going to happen. But that doesn't mean we don't stop loving others. We we continue to love them right where they live and show them God's love because if we don't do it, you can look at the church attendance across the world, it's dwindling. And more and more people are staying home. So if we don't do that, if we don't choose to be a missionary wherever it is that we live, they're not going to see it and they're not going to know God's love. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book. As you mentioned, they're organized into uh, devotional uh, chapters. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have 122 different days you go through. But uh, to give listeners a feel for the devotionals they're like, I'd like to discuss and turn a few of the early chapters of your book. Day one devotional is all about spelling love, and you offer readers the rather unique spelling of T-I-M-E for love. What do you mean by spelling time to represent love? And uh, give us the story of your friend's unique, uh, wonderful gift to his young son. I love that story. Well, the... The, the the first day, so many of us we think that we spell love L O V E, and so it's it's so easy to get stuck in that. But what we don't realize is that everyone has a different love language. So here it is, and it's it's uh, a guy that he's looking to give a gift to his son, and and th- this world has everything. So he could, you know, the kid already has all the video games. He has, you know, all the latest iPad, iPod, all those other kind of things, greatest phone, all that kind of stuff, and so. Sure, all and that's and it's just stuff at the end of the day. And so he decides to give him the greatest gift that he can give him, and so he gets him a a, a watch. And so it, for that watch, what he must remind him is that every day for the next year, father and son are going to spend thirty minutes together, just the two of them. And no, and no matter what it is that he wants to do, so the son gets to spend time with his dad. And so at first when they start off, the longer story was at first when they start off, it's kind of rough because they have to yeah. set the schedule up in that. But they yeah. have this time together, and the weeks go by, and their relationship continues to grow, and it grows over the months, and then every six months. And so the next year his birthday's coming up, and his mom says to him, hey, you know, what is it you want this year for your birthday? And the time 
that he has spent those 30 days every single day with his father, his relationship has grown so much and they've grown so close and their love has grown so much that he turns to his mom and says, I don't need anything. I've already got everything that I could ask for. And it was because of that time that the father had spent with the son and the time that the son had spent with the father. And so it's just a reminder for each one of us. He was in high school. I think they were spending two hours a day together, which is yeah. such a wonderful counter to the usual teenagers' well, desire to be with mom and dad. <laughs> sure. And, and the, you know, studies have shown, too, that with a lot of teenagers, most parents think, oh, they don't want to spend time with me. They don't want to be around yeah. me. And actually, the studies have shown the exact opposite. If they're going to fit in somewhere. They're going to do something somewhere. And I'll just give a personal example. My son, who's 16 years old, he's um, he's he's a high school sophomore. He's already committed to playing uh, college baseball um, at Wright State University in Ohio. And so for the fall, all these teams are asking if we if if he will play fall baseball for him. And he's already told no, he's not going to do that. And they're like, well, why not? He said, well, my dad got me golf clubs for Christmas, and so for this fall, I'm going to go golfing with my dad every day. And so as a dad, I'm like. I couldn't ask for anything else, but he no, wants is. to spend that time with me. And so we the, we all know how quickly time goes and how quickly our kids grow and all those things. And so what are we doing with the time that God has given each one of us? Because we all have the same amount of it. Yeah. And that's where that story, you know, it starts with that love that grows between the father and the son or really wherever it is that you invest your time. Yeah, your day three devotional is titled Loving Love. Please tell us the inspiring story of uh, Megan Casmer, who died on her 16th birthday after years of struggling with health problems all her life. But in her short life, she spread uh, love and inspiration to those around her. That's, that's such an inspiring story. Well, and Megan was, I met her when she was very, very young. And I think that's a lot of one thing for people to understand, too, is that we have so many moments within our lives that we can point to and we can only, you know, see God in those moments. And uh, for for Megan, she only had 16 years here. And um, the day that she was turning 16, she actually lost her life. And she was in a battle, and actually it was um, there was there was lungs that actually that day lungs had come in for her uh, that she could have the transplant, but she wasn't strong enough to take those those lungs. So instead, um, she lost her life that day. But in those 16 years, she her life showed Jesus to others. In fact, to the point to one day she just she looked at us and just said, "I love love." And so an interesting story is that we were praying. One day, and the chaplain had come in from the hospital. As we were praying on our hospital bed, the chaplain prayed that her kidneys would heal. And so when he got done and walked out, I turned and looked at her and I said, um, is there a problem with your kidneys? Because I thought it had spread. And she goes, no, 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 no. My kidneys are fine. She's like, but just the fact that we were praying together, that's all I could ask for. Hmm. So here's this, 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 at the time, 15-year-old girl who was yeah. passing away, and she just loved the fact that people would stop to pray with her. And that's what that she moment where she said, is that, uh, though she was passing away in the physical body, that uh, there was something better to come. <laughs> sure. She knew it. Yeah. She knew it, and she was a, a special young lady. But, but even that, in those moments, her focus was on love, and that's where... Yeah. Every day, you know, we just want to have that focus where, where Christ's love is pouring through us and we're pouring out through others. 
Well, yeah, those, those are such great. So a couple more. On day eight, your suggestion is smiling at someone. And how does uh, tell us how this benefits both you and another person, perhaps a complete stranger, simply by smiling at them on the street or in the grocery aisle. I know I've had uh, good experience when I smile at somebody. And <laughs> it really uh, well. And here's here's the thing. If, if you're walking around frowning all day, it takes 51 muscles to frown and only takes 17 to smile. So if you're someone who's against working out, yeah. you may as well keep smiling because you can smile three times as much and still be okay. But there's once again, this is scientifically proven that when we take the time to smile at someone, in in our in, there's something that triggers in our mind and our hearts that yeah. helps us to go to that next moment and, and find that positive side to it. Now, some people may not smile back, but but that's yeah. kind of the idea behind our faith too is that we share our faith in those moments even if we don't get anything in return. And I think many times we stop with our faith because we're like, well, that person didn't smile or that person didn't respond or that person wasn't kind back to us. That doesn't give us a pass to say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. But too many times we quit. And so that's why within this book we're trying to recognize those smaller moments within our lives that we have the opportunity to reach someone. And even in smiling someone but making the effort that today I'm going to smile at each person that I see, I'm going to attempt to make eye contact with each person that I see. Yeah. And there's, it's actually, it helps us healing from the inside out. And, and I'm going to share one other thing with that. Many times we go out to bless others, yeah. but what we find is that we're blessed in return. Oh, and so sure. I, I've talked with people on short mission trips, or I've talked with people that have worked with homeless people, or go to a soup kitchen, or whatever it might be. They'll go down there to spend that hour or that day to invest in other people. And what they don't realize is that these people who have many times nothing or have very little, yeah. they show God's language is the, is, is the language of love. And yeah, love when the they go to bless that, others, they get blessed I, back. I love the way you say by smiling and acknowledging another, you are telling them that you honor and respect them for who they are and for whose they are. Because we're all mm-hmm. children of God, and that's, I love that statement there. But uh, Well, uh, I know there's a hundred and... 15, 18 more <laughs> days that we sure. don't have time to talk about. But uh, your book consists of a whole bunch of daily devotions. I guess you're, you don't tell people when to uh, read through your book quickly, although I guess they could. But uh, you really. Well, I'd love to share a story about that real quick, Roy. Yeah. Is, 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 here's what's interesting is that I have a gentleman from our church family who was 72 years old, and he told me, John, I've never read a book in my entire life. And his name is Terry, and I love him to pieces. And he's had some rough things he's gone through in, in life, and he could share the stories with you. But he said, I went home, and I read this in two and a half days. Oh. And he said, and now I'm going back through, and I'm living those stories day by day. And yeah, that, to me, was so the greatest long as compliment you go back and me. Uh, live the mm-hmm. stories and don't just put it up on the shelf to collect dust. Because obviously sure. uh, the whole point is you have to live each day. And uh, do, do you have some way that uh, people can keep track of what the – how they've made progress on these. I know on one day you have a journaling day, I think. Well, and my wife is actually who who shared that with me, is that so that every seven days, and it's focused upon that rest principle, is that we take the time to rest, and then we can look back at the moments throughout the week. So they can either write it on each day and then spend a little bit of time and and expand it a little more on that journal day. And if you're not a journaler, you don't have to write a ton of stuff, but... My wife is someone who journals, and when she uh, she's read back on some of her journals, and I am amazed 
mm. at what has taken place. And it's in those moments when you write those down that you really get the impact later when you go back and just see how God was working in your everyday life. Well, where best should we go to preview and purchase your book, Just Jesus, then? What's, where's a good place to go for that? Well, Amazon.com is, is, is probably the easiest place. There's also a lot of previews out there, so if you want to go out and read that on Amazon.com, you can read what other people have said about the book. Yeah. Uh, you can also go to BarnesandNoble.com if, if, if you prefer that site. Yeah. But that's the main site is Amazon. Uh, that's where a lot of authors use nowadays because it gives people a chance. Well, I don't know. Do I want to get this? Do I want to understand? Or yeah. do I, I don't know enough about the book, but that way they can read previews from other people that have read it and just as a blessing so far, everything out there has been a five-star preview, which I've nearly been blessed overall. But it's, it blesses me because, once again, it's you put a lot of time into writing it, but knowing that it's helping others in their everyday walk is what means the most. Because I feel, as a pastor, a lot of times you don't always get that feedback, like you're talking with your, your church family and, yeah. and you, you're hoping and praying that you do. But this, this actually shows that it's, it's reaching more than just our church family, which is, uh, has been a huge blessing. Well, you also have a website where they can learn more. Give us that website. To... Uh, it's it's Pocket Full of Faith, and Pocket Full, it's actually F-U-L-L, so it's um, it's actually two separate words, but it's Pocket Full of Faith, and they can go and they can watch a video. Um, the video actually shares about uh, a day that I wanted to do some training and did not want to walk across the road, uh-huh. and uh, I chose to walk across that, across that road today, not because I wanted to, but because the people that came there said, listen, we're here to visit people, so let's go. And I had this great idea planned, and actually this is this is uh, one of the stories in the book as well. So I eventually walked across the road, and one thing led to another, and it was someone I had already had a relationship with with my neighbor, and uh, we sat down, and, and he accepted Christ that day. He realized that he was worthy of God's love. Yeah. And so after we were done praying, um, I noticed that he had carried some things in because it took him a while to answer the door. When I looked down, what was on the table was a roll of duct tape and his car keys and a hose. And the reason it had taken him so long to answer the door is because he was actually walking out the door that day to end his life. And so, yeah, and and I I would have never known, right, had I not walked across the road. And at the same time, had I not had those people there with me, to, to, to push me along to say, listen, there's, we have, we're going to be there for a reason. And they were right yeah. and yeah. really had the opportunity to see God working that day. Well, it still gives me chills even, even thinking yeah. about it. Well, uh, to conclude, perhaps you're very familiar with the Easter story, the Christmas story, the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt, and many other inspirational biblical stories. Well, when it comes to influencing your day-to-day behavior, they're merely stories from long ago and not really relevant for today. But if your life today is not filled with joy, if you don't feel blessed by pouring yourself out to help others, it may well be time to put your faith into action, and it may not be as difficult as you think. Set your primary goal to live and love uh, others as Jesus did, or to Jesus them, as uh, John puts it, and ask God in prayer to reveal to you every day opportunities to Jesus people who come into your life. And God certainly gave John Stahl that opportunity with a fellow he just described that was about to commit suicide. And if you live your life with these two goals in mind, I don't think you'll go wrong, and you'll be rewarded for joyful living and be truly blessed. And as a guide, I highly recommend you uh, preview Pastor 
Pastor John Stahl's book, Just Jesus, then. And thanks a million, John, and, and best of success in getting your message uh, worldwide out. Roy, Roy, thank you so much for having me. And I'll tell you, I, you're doing the same thing. You're Jesusing others every single day just by just by sharing God's word and putting it into their mind and in their heart. And then for each one of us, it's our choice as to what we do with that. So I, I pray for every person out there. You know, they'll take those steps to live their faith before others because they're not seeing it anywhere else. And if everybody did, the world would sure be a lot better place, wouldn't it? Sure. <laughs> and you. start with our worlds, right, for each one of yeah. us. Yeah, start with each one in a little corner of the world, and uh, we'll mm-hmm. put it all together. Thanks so much, John. And uh, Thank you, Roy. Success. It's summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, peak travel time for families on vacation. And any of us who take an annual out-of-town family vacation know that illness or other negative health issues can ruin a few days or even the whole vacation, not just for the person who's sick, but for the whole family. Years ago when I was a kid, my father, mother, sister, and I went on extended multi-week car trip vacations every summer. And you know what? I can't remember a single summer when at least one family member uh, wasn't either sick or injured somehow. How about you? Do you and your family plan a vacation this summer or perhaps in the fall? If not, uh, you can listen in for next year's vacation. And here's some good news. Dr. Kathleen Fry, MD, one of America's leading homeopathic physicians, is here to share some simple natural treatments for common travel illnesses and maladies that can save your vacation. And regular listeners will recall that Dr. Kathy was a prior guest on our March 6th program, and you can still listen to that program in our archives. And to refresh your memory, here is Dr. Kathy Fry's bio. She's a board-certified OBGYN medical doctor who has discovered the limitations of conventional medicine. She has over 27 years of clinical experience in holistic healing. She's past president of the American Holistic Medical Association, frequently quoted in leading magazines like Red Book and Ladies Home Journal. And she's author of two books, her latest released just this last April, What's the Remedy for That? The Definitive Homeopathic Guide to Mastering Everyday Self-Care Without Drugs. And hello, Dr. Kathy. It's great to have you back on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hey, Roy, it's really great to um, hear you again. And I'm so happy to be able to share with your listeners these great remedies, what I call the top ten remedies you should never travel without. Okay. Um, well, before we get into those proven remedies for uh, common travel ailments, can you briefly define what homeopathy is and how it differs from conventional medicine, just to refresh right. our memories? Of course. So homeopathic medicine is a form of alternative medicine that works at stimulating your body's ability to heal itself. Oh, I see. So uh, we all have this inherent healing power within us that in homeopathy we call the vital force, and in Chinese medicine they call it qi, and in Ayurvedic medicine they call it prana. And in homeopathy, I often tell people that homeopathy remedies, the little pellets you get in the health food store, yeah. are closer, they work more closely like what an acupuncture needle does oh. than what a conventional drug does. Oh, they work energetically. Mm-hmm. So conventional medicine, uh, either herbs or pharmaceutical drugs or vitamins, they work biochemically. You take them, your body absorbs them, there's a chemical reaction that takes place. Oh. But in homeopathic remedies, 
They're prepared in a homeopathic pharmacy regulated by the FDA in a very special way so that they work to stimulate your body's ability to heal itself. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Well, we don't have time for a whole bunch of remedies for common travel ailments, but perhaps we can get into three or four. How about food poisoning, that tainted taco you bought or ate at least from the street vendor or the so-called bottled water that, in fact, was a bottle refilled from the tap? <laughs> right. <laughs> How do right. we combat well, that? <laughs> well, I have had food poisoning four times myself, uh, wow. and three of those times were like tra- with tra- when traveling. The yeah. last time was on a ski trip to Utah two winters ago, and I had a sandwich in the Denver airport. And because I have not taken a prescription drug in more than 25 years, I just do homeopathy, my system is really acutely sensitive. Oh, so when I, oh. the minute I took something, I ate some food, and I, could, I started to feel lightheaded within like 10 minutes of eating it. And by the time I was landing in Salt Lake, I had all full-blown, you know, the horrors of food poisoning, yeah. nausea, the whole bit. And uh, thank God for air sickness bags. <laughs> but fortunately, I never travel without a remedy from food poisoning, and I had it in my travel kit. Hmm. I started taking it every 15 minutes, and uh, by the time I got to the hotel, I was able to uh, sleep for an hour. So I kept taking the remedy every half an hour, every and every 15 minutes until the vomiting stopped, and then about oh. every half an hour to an hour. I slept for a couple of hours. I woke up at 11 o'clock that night. I was fully well, and I was able to ski, you know, have breakfast the next day and ski the next three days without any trouble. Well, I and thought that you were going to tell us you hit the ski slopes at 11.30 at night. <laughs> no. <laughs> Normally, you would have, if you had something like that happen, you'd have to go to the hospital, get IV antibiotics yeah. and IV fluids because you get so dehydrated. Yeah. But in Instead, the remedy you want to get is a remedy called arsenicum album. And just like it sounds, it's made from arsenic. Well, how can you give somebody arsenic? Well, the way they make the remedy is they take the arsenic, which is a metal and a poison, hmm. and they put it, they put, they grind it up, it's a metal, so they grind it up and they put it in alcohol. And then they take one drop of that mother tincture, that liquid in alcohol. They put oh. one drop in 99 drops of water, and they pound it on the table 100 times. That's a 1C dilution. Huh. Then oh, you take one drop of that and put that in 99 drops of water and pound that 100 times. That's a 2C dilution. And you continue to do these multiple dilutions until you get to the 30C potency, where you've diluted it 30 times. Oh, I when you get to the, by the time you've gotten to the 12C potency, you have less than one over Avogadro's number of the original molecules of arsenic left. So I don't have to worry about arsenic and old laces. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. But if you think about it, when you when somebody gets arsenic poisoning, the same symptoms they have when they get poisoned with arsenic are the very same symptoms they get when they get food poisoned. Yeah. And so that illustrates the principle that like heals like yeah. um, for homeopathic remedies. So if you, um, if people are interested in learning more about that, if they go to my website at drkathyfry.com, there is a link where you can click on there, that's a little picture that says the top 10 remedies to never travel without. Oh. And there's a list of, of arsenicum album is on that list. And there's also nine other remedies. There's remedies for um, if you have fear of flying. There's remedies for trauma, remedies for sunstroke, remedies for if you get bitten by a million mosquitoes, yeah. remedies for bladder infections, motion sickness. Uh, so you can uh, look at that on my website. And if they want to know more about how these remedies work, how to take them in detail, what potency to take, and so on, and see my book called 
what's the remedy for that? And I cover the 60 remedies that you can buy in the health food store uh, that can, you can keep colds, flu, uh, motion sickness, food poisoning, bladder infections, uh, colic for babies, um, all those kinds of things. Okay, well, here's a common here. travel ailment that can mess up your vacation in more ways than one, diarrhea. Is there a homeopathic remedy for that condition we commonly call trots or the runs? There is. There is. And usually if it's because you've eaten some tainted food, it's usually arsenicum album is the one you want to take oh. for um, for diarrhea usually. Uh, and that's especially if you have diarrhea with really bad stomach cramps. Oh. Um, uh Usually I recommend people start with arsenicum album, especially if they have nausea with it. Now, if you just have cramps and diarrhea and heartburn but no nausea, then the remedy you want to take is a remedy called Nux Vomica, N-U-X-V-O-M-I-C-A. That's also on that list you can get on my website. It's also, by the way, the remedy for a hangover. So if you've had too many mojitos on the beach, you take a dose of that before you go to bed and again in the morning when you wake up, and it's a great thing for a hangover. Well, you know, most of these days, unfortunately, also our kids spend a majority of our time indoors, and on summer vacation, we rest out for sun on the beach. Can you recommend a homeopathic remedy for sunstroke or perhaps a severe sunburn? What what do we do for those? Yes. So there's, uh, the remedy for sunstroke is a remedy called belladonna. And this is a remedy that you give to people right, you know, when you're, if they have serious sunstroke, then you need to uh, either call the paramedics or get them to a hospital. But while you're taking them to the hospital or while you're waiting for the ambulance to come, you want to give them belladonna. Mm. And belladonna is the remedy that you give them when their face is very hot and very red and flushed, and uh, they oftentimes can be really agitated. So you give them courtesy of belladonna, and you repeat it like every 15 minutes uh, while you're taking them to the hospital because oftentimes they need to be. um, And then, of course, you want to get them out of the sun into a cool room. And if necessary, you can take ice and put it on the back of their neck and under their armpits and in their groin, and that oftentimes helps cool the body down. Well, this sounds crazy, but you tell us there's even a homeopathic remedy for fear of flying. Ray, tell how best do we get over that? (laughs) There is. So there's two remedies that you can get in the health food store for fear of flying. One of them is called Argentum Nitricum. That's also on the list you can get on my website. And that's for people who they are so nervous about flying, they start worrying about it like a week or two weeks before they're going to take their trip. That's all they talk about. They're very loquacious, yeah. they're talkative, they're really agitated, and they tend to run hot. Like they feel hot and sweaty, and their palms get sweaty just thinking about it. Now, there's a second remedy for fear of flying called gelsemium. And for when people need gelsemium, they also worry ahead of time about about flying. They have what's called ailments from anticipation. They get all worked up just thinking about having to take a trip. But they tend to be more isolated. They don't want to talk a lot about it. They're a little bit more quiet and reserved, and they're not as agitated or as hot. And that's called gelsemium. That's also the remedy for flu, too. But that's on my list. And one last thing you asked me about remedies for sunburn. What you want to get for sunburn is a remedy called calendula. And you can get it in an ointment, and you put it on your skin, and or you can also get the pellets uh, from the health from the health food, well not from the health food store you have to order them from a homeopathic pharmacy but you get the thirty oh. C of calendula under the tongue and that's especially good if you have not only sunburn but even if you have severe burns like you know you burn yourself on the barbecue or something like that uh, it's great even for second and third degree burns. Oh I see well. Uh... 
Let's talk briefly about your brand new book. What's the remedy for that? Uh, in your book, I, I, I know, say a, a listener suffers from a specific ailment, travel related or not. Uh, can, how can he or she best use your book to search for that remedy? Do you have like the, the remedies laid out or the, the I mean, the conditions yes. laid out? Um, Right. So the book is organized according to conditions. So there's about 60 conditions, everything from allergies to warts. And I only cover the remedies you can get in the health food store because what good does it do you if you can't get the remedy? So I covered all the remedies that you get on the Boyron display at the health food store. And there's an index in the back. So, for example, if you have a bladder infection, then you can go to the section on bladder infections, and there's two remedies available over the counter, and it helps you figure out, well, which of those two remedies do you need, depending on what your symptoms are and how you got it. So, for example, a young woman who's on her honeymoon in Las Vegas, uh, and who's 25 on her honeymoon in Las Vegas who gets a bladder infection, needs a different remedy than an older woman in a nursing home who just got out of the hospital and had a catheter while she was in the hospital. They both have bladder infections, but they each need a different remedy. Yeah, I think so. Well, where should listeners go to uh, preview and purchase your new book? It sounds great. Where do they go? Yeah, they can get it from Amazon. They can get it at Amazon.com. If you don't have access to the Internet, you can go into a bookstore and ask them to order it for you. They may or may not have it on the shelf. But you can um, you can ask them to order it for you. Any book any bookstore will be able to order it for you. You just tell them it's uh, Kathleen Fry, and they'll look up my the ISBN number and can order it from you. But everybody else anybody can get it on Amazon. Well, you practice as a homeopath in Boulder, Colorado, across the U.S. and globally, as it says on your website. How best can someone get in touch with to learn more? You gave us that website address. Is that the best way to do it? Or? Right. They can go to drkathyfry.com, uh, or they can send me an email at drkathy at drkathyfry.com if they're interested in And that's drkathy. You don't spell out the doctor, right? Right. It's drkathyfry. But if you put in kathy, it'll still come up on so I take care of people all over the world via Skype and over the telephone and in Boulder by appointment. And uh, so, yeah, I take care of people all over the world. It's really, really fun. That's great. Well, to conclude, uh, Dr. Kathy Fry describes her practice as healing from the inside out. And as she puts it in her book, that beautiful orchestra that is your body is under control of the vital force and energetic powerhouse of well-being. And she adds, when we are sick, we often forget what it feels like to be well. As a homeopathic physician, she seeks to understand the underlying cause of her client's problems and to restore health, not just treat symptoms. And for so many of us on a family vacation or traveling alone, a sudden illness or malady not only disrupts the trip, but can lead us to seek emergency care in a strange location far from home by an unknown physician who doesn't have access to our detailed medical records. And not only that, and I speak from personal experience, these emergency treatments, especially in a foreign country or on an international waters on a cruise, often aren't fully covered by our medical insurance plans. And wouldn't it be great to have a comprehensive, easy to read and apply compendium of remedies for a wide variety of ailments all in one place. And I would highly recommend you go to Dr. Kathy Fry's uh, website to get the, the list of 10 common ailments, but also that you preview and purchase her book. It'd be great for your next trip or when you're at home. And thank you so much, Dr. Kathy, for stopping by, and best of success on that new book. 
Thank you, Roy. I really enjoyed talking with your listeners, and I'm happy. Anytime you want to have me on, it's really fun to uh, share the share the beauty of homeopathy. I'm on a mission. Yeah, it's a wonderful mission, too. And, and thank yeah. you, listeners, for uh, joining us today. And join us on next week's broadcast of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 